0: I wanted to pick up on something we spoke about uh, in our last video. We spoke about when it came to the prompts for poetry, that we talked about literality and sort of making your poem as literal as possible, and there's something that I wanted to develop further along that idea of why things should be said literally, or at least we should practice saying things literally rather than metaphorically, oftentimes, right, when we consider language itself, this is a platonic idea, you know, 3,000 years old, been thought, thought about it and talked about, it, and you probably even know it in your own life, right? Um, if you do a thought experiment, when you say the word chair to somebody else, then ask them to describe the word that you're uh, saying. So, for example, when I say chair, I think of four legs, I think of a back, I think of armrests, I think of wood. But if I said chair to somebody else, they might think of a chair as a stool, right? Three legs, maybe made with a leather top, no arms, no back. The idea here is that language itself is ephemeral or hard to define unless you really go into details, unless you really expound upon what it is you're referring to. And so when we talk about literality, what we're really trying to accomplish is the idea of details and the idea of specificity. Details equal specificity in this equation and so what we're thinking about when we write poetry or stories or anything is how do we take the reader transport the reader into our own experience of the piece or our own experience prompting the piece or our own experience creating the piece right there's a lot of different aspects to a work of art and the whole point is to entertain the experiencer or the reader or you know whoever's viewing the piece of art but to not only have them experience their own way but to sort of experience their own way based on how we experience that thing Um, and so when we're talking about literality and specificity what we mean is details and so when we come down to writing the poem or the story we want to think about how we describe things in a literal manner in a way that translates across from our own mental image to somebody else's mental image or everybody else's mental image right and that's very hard and so oftentimes we do rely on sort of these words right that we have in order to accomplish a general goal of communication, and that's good for most of our day-to-day communications, right? Our, our interactions with most people, right? To stand there every day and to explain, when I say chair, I mean this, that, right? It's it's not necessary because we understand when somebody says chair, they mean you know somewhere to sit down. They we understand the sort of esoteric, metaphorical meaning, um, and oftentimes we find it hard to get out of that idea because in many ways, when we are dealing with children or development. Metaphor and anecdote are how we sort of gauge how smart a child or how effective a child is at interacting with the world, Um, probably more about effect rather than how intelligent. Although intelligence can be judged by how people make connections, how literal or metaphorical or how many connections, right? We know that with the brain, the brain is not like a filing cabinet, it's sort of an Neuronic connection between multiple different nodes and links right axioms connect to different things and really what creates Memory and knowledge is the idea of making more connections within the brain right when you connect one thing to another It's not as good as when you connect one thing to two other things and those two other things to two more things right? You're creating these neural networks um, And we sort of build these metaphors within our own brain in order to help us understand the world and so oftentimes when we approach our own work That's how we approach the language and the art form that we're working in, right? We think of connections, we think of metaphor, we think of um, building ideas across time through the use of other people's ideas or language or experience. This is definitely where we are going to go. But to start, you wanna sort of think of an internal framework and build your own base based on how you think things connect and how you think things are. Not how things might be, not how things should be, not how things could be, not how things were, how they are in this very moment. And right, that comes back to our idea of creating that moment for yourself and therefore creating the moment for the experiencer, the viewer, the reader, whoever. So, we're going to talk about more literal ideas and how to build that literality. Because I think it helps cement the idea that you are in control of the world or the work that's in front of you. And not only are you in control of it, you should define it. And when you define those terms and define the piece, that sort of allows for the experience of other people to infiltrate, right? The more specific you can be, the easier it is for somebody else to come in and say, oh, I understand that. Because a general thing, right, when we talk about love, I have no idea how love works for somebody else. I know the concept of love, but how love translates, right? What is it an act, right? We know about the five love languages. Is it acts of service? Is it, you know, uh, words of affirmation? Is it, what, what is love to somebody? And so our job is to define those terms and to define that experience within the work that we're working on, that we're writing. And so we wanna keep working on that. And some, here will be some examples and some techniques to help build those ideas of literality and specificity through example creation using language that is specific to the thing itself that you're working on. Not only will there be examples, another sort of reason to focus on this is because by doing this exercise, you actually make your language better. It's easy to allow for cliche, and in many ways, right, we start using cliche. When you, as a child, learn a language, or at any age learn a language, you're mimicking other people, right? It's for lack, using a cliche, because sometimes they're useful, monkey see, monkey do, right? When you learn a language, you mimic other people, and music, and Victor Wooten has a beautiful sort of thought on music being a language, right? That many times we think of music in a more mathematical sense, where we learn one plus one equals two, and we build up these sort of um, frameworks to approach music. He thinks of it as a conversation where, when I play this note, you sort of hear something in response, and you call and respond, and it's more of a prayer, almost, where you don't have a choice. You hear something and you respond, and that's conversation, right? You hear something from somebody else and you respond with words. Um, And that's really two different approaches to literature in general, which is a whole subtopic, right? Do you start with the fundamentals, or do you start with mimicry, and how does that work, and how do you explain, and how do you build? We're going to leave that aside for now. But when it comes to art for our purposes, the question is, how do you start or how do you continue? And in many ways we do start with mimicry. We look for somebody else's words to borrow, to re manipulate. Um, and we're not going to get into T.S. Eliot's ideas, maybe in a later video, about how it's, there is no such thing as stealing and it's all there for you to take. We're not going to accept that for right now. We're going to think about our own language um, and to continue moving on through towards the idea of how do we rebuild our own language so that we own it, so that we can use it in our own way. And so, though we often start with copying others or taking from others and building it into ourselves, right? There's a whole subgenre of ekphrastic poetry, right? Where you literally talk about other works of art. Um, and sort of because you've experienced one thing, it compels you to write about that thing. Um, and in some ways, there's utility to that. And we will get to those things. But at first, we want to focus on this literality because it hones our language, it hones our experience, it makes us be as specific as possible. And when we're as specific as possible, that's where people can enter and understand. One of the ways to be as specific as possible is to think about sensory input. Oftentimes, we think of things happening in our mind. We're thinking about poetry, we're thinking about stories, we're building things in our mind. But really, you experience the physical world through physical experience, right? Through sensual, sensory experience. And so that means, obviously, the five senses are involved. And so what you want to think about is how do you describe those senses within a moment? So you can take even a quote-unquote boring moment and make it very, very interesting if there's different things going on sensory-wise. It could be you're sitting on a bench outside and all of a sudden there's a weird gust of wind that feels cold, right? Obviously, I'm not trying to write the poem now. That would not be a good image. But the idea is that we are building literal moments into interesting moments. Not only are they literal, they're also interesting because, again, a literal moment is... Um, In some ways, you'll never be a photographer. You're never gonna be able to capture the moment literally, right? A photographer, a painter, painter maybe less so, but at least visual imagery can capture that moment in a certain way. But even a photo doesn't tell you how cold it was necessarily, right? You can look for hints, but you can't feel the cold. That's the beauty of writing, actually, is that while it can't necessarily show you what's happening right in front of your eyes, it can create a mental image, which is back to that platonic idea of why language itself is very complex And why it holds such a high regard in so many religions and ideas, right? That language itself is the building block of consciousness and experience. That we only have language to sort of build reality. And so oftentimes what we're trying to do with our literal interpretation, our specific details, is to build that literal experience into an interesting experience so that the person has an emotional response to something they've never ever encountered before or something they've encountered but never looked at in a certain way. And so we want to think of literal language as the ability to project specific emotional physical content into somebody else through the medium of language. And that will allow for people to experience and enjoy, enjoy in a technical sense what you're doing on the page or even what you're saying to them. Once you build this rubric, this base of literal language and sort of being as specific as possible as you can, don't overdo it in the sense of, you don't have to describe every little thing that happens. In some ways, you focus on one specific thing that happens. So if you're sitting on a bench, you can't talk about all five senses, talk about one sense, which is feel. You can describe the other four sort of sensory inputs, you can describe what's happening around, you can describe a lot of things. But once you start overwhelming with details, right, each thing has 15 lines about the details, it sort of does get repetitive and boring. So, focus on sort of one sensory input and explore that literal, uh, that literal experience, and what does that language sound like and feel like, and how does it taste in your own mind, and then figure out how you wanna use that literal experience to create that same sensory reaction in somebody else. And so that's gonna be the prompt for today, which is to, in poetry, fiction, nonfiction, is to create, an interesting experience using literal descriptions. And this is very similar to the poetry prompt from last time, but it's a little different in that you can build in story, you can build in characters, you can build in other things, but focus on one specific thing, one specific sense that's occurring during that moment and build that into an interesting experience so that somebody else can enter and appreciate it. Hopefully that helps you write and I'm looking forward to reading what you've created. You can post it below. You can send it to the Jewish Literary Journal to be considered um, and hopefully if you enjoyed this video you rate share and subscribe thank you see you next time